Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Friday, February 11th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, Movie Pass is back and it wants to track your eyeballs. Plus, who would win in a real world animal showdown? A ram or a Bengal tiger? NASA has released the first images of a star taken by the James Webb Space Telescope and the Comanche language version of Wordle that Facebook doesn't want you to see. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Do you remember the halcyon days of early 2018? The term COVID-19 had yet to be invented, and for a brief period of time, you could go see as many movies as you wanted for just $9.95, less than the cost of one movie in a lot of places. I never signed up for MoviePass myself, even before the pandemic. I had trouble making it out to the movie theater even just the one time a month that would make the disruptive subscription service worth it, but a lot of my friends did. I had one friend in particular who had a month off in between jobs right at the height of the movie pass craze, and with nothing better to do, he went to a movie every single day for a month. Here in New York City, that would have cost him close to $500. Instead, thanks to movie pass, he paid just $9.95. I like to think of him as the type of power user that helped run movie pass into the ground. But MoviePass is back, and despite the fact that their model is part of what led to movie theater chains rolling out their own subscription programs, the company thinks they can be big and bold enough to claim 30% of the moviegoer market by 2030. The MoviePass was actually founded way back in 2011, and it essentially went under in 2019. From a combination of hubris and bad business decisions, some would say largely stemming from its sale to analytics firm Helios and Matheson in 2017, and not, in fact, solely from my friend going to see 30 movies in a single month. This past November, one of its co-founders, Stacy Spikes, managed to buy the company back, and yesterday he hosted a launch event in New York announcing MoviePass's big return. Spikes says MoviePass will be powered by Web3 technology and run more like a co-op, with premium tier subscribers able to hold partial ownership of the company. In addition to a tiered model, MoviePass will also run now on tradable credits that roll over month to month. Credits mean that some movies will cost more than others based on factors like peak movie theater hours, and you'll also be able to use credits to do things like bring a friend with you. The biggest addition that's making all the headlines, though, is another way that you can earn credits without paying, watching ads. But the ads will also be watching you, or your phone will, anyways. Quoting The Verge, MoviePass will incorporate aspects of Spike's existing business pre-show, a technology that's been used to allow gamers to trade ad views for in-game currency. The way that pre-show works is that you have to actually view the ad. It tracks whether your attention is trained on your phone. Once users complete the pre-show, they'll be awarded credits that can be used to buy tickets through the MoviePass platform. End quote. Spikes likens the pre-show to something like what you'd see before the trailers at a movie theater, and he says it would be customized for you. He said, quote, Part of the direction we're doing from a Web3 perspective is, this is happening only on your phone, uniquely to you, and the credits that are earned are your credits that go into your virtual wallet that you get to spend, so it's your own money. End quote. He's also got a lot of ideas for down the line, like users being able to purchase products advertised to them through the app and earning credits when they do so, almost like your own affiliate link. 
The brand new, only slightly creepy movie pass will be launching this summer with select beta users getting the first year free. Now, as to whether it will actually take off, especially when movie pass has to get movie theater chains on board to a certain extent, and they weren't exactly happy doing that even before they launched their own subscription services. Though, as The Verge points out, a lot has changed for movie theaters since MoviePass went under in 2019, you know, like the pandemic. Movie theaters are getting a lot more experimental with all kinds of models right now, so maybe Spikes has picked exactly the right moment for a relaunch. It's the Super Bowl this weekend, and everyone is putting in their bets, real or otherwise, on who will win. Even newly minted Olympic gold medalist Nathan Chen couldn't escape Super Bowl prodding, telling NBC's Craig Melvin that he thinks the Los Angeles Rams will win, even though he's a big fan of the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow. Personally, I'm rooting for the Bengals because I don't really have loyalties to either team, but I think it'd be cool if they won since they never have, and since they haven't even been this far in the playoffs since the 80s. But Smithsonian Magazine today asked the real question, who would win in a real-world battle, a Bengal tiger or a ram? Now we're talking. So first, these two are unlikely to come into contact with each other. Rams, aka male bighorn sheep, are only found in North America, and Bengal tigers specifically are found in India. Though Smithsonian Magazine did paint a fun picture of all the NFL mascots coming together in a small zoo, in my imagination that includes a cowboy, a commander, and a buccaneer running from an angry jaguar or huge bear. But anyways, so Bengal tigers, like all tigers, are apex predators. So the ram doesn't have too much of a shot here, but remember, they're not in the same ecosystem. So maybe if they were thrust into the same environment, could the ram step up and defeat the tiger? Rams are about 6 feet long and weigh between 250 and 300 pounds, about the weight of a defensive lineman, the Smithsonian Magazine helpfully adds. They've got huge curved horns that can weigh as much as 30 pounds and help determine their place in the social hierarchy. Male bighorn sheep will often headbutt to make the final call on this hierarchy. They also live in herds, women and children in a herd together, and then mature males in another herd together. And Smithsonian notes that it's really unlikely that a ram would get picked off by a predator, like a mountain lion, in their own environment when they're in a herd. But on their own, as individuals... Morgan Vance from the Smithsonian Conservation Biology Institute says, quote, If it's one-on-one, I hate to say it, but the ram is done, end quote. And yeah, Bengal tigers have got rams beat on weight. They're usually between 400 and 500 pounds. They're solitary and aggressively territorial animals. Quoting Smithsonian Magazine, The stalk and ambush hunters are some of the most calculated predators in the animal kingdom. To take down their prey, the tiger uses its retractable claws and four-inch-long canine teeth. They would pick out an animal that appears to be sick or kind of lagging behind, and they would wait for that animal to be separated a little bit from the herd, explains Lee Pitsko, an assistant curator for great cats at the Smithsonian National Zoo in Washington, D.C. End quote. But again, that's in their own environment. As stalkers, familiarity with their hunting grounds is key, as is their ability to blend in. Their stripes work as camouflage in wooded tropical forests, but in the rocky realms where rams reside, they'd stick out like a sore thumb. 
Vance also points out that rams, for their size, are extremely agile. They're used to navigating quickly across mountainous terrain while evading predators. Quoting again, Rams rely on high-traction hoofs to grip ledges and cliffsides with amazing stability. Their outer hooves snag rocky protrusions, while a soft foot pad provides a more malleable grip. Despite their size, bighorn sheep can stand on ledges that are only two inches wide, leap as far as 20 feet from one ledge to the next, and scale mountainsides at an impressive 15 miles an hour. A tiger may just not be able to keep up. End quote. Rams might also have a slight advantage in an open environment due to the skills they hone headbutting one another. In those battles, they sometimes run as fast as 40 miles an hour and collide with extreme force. The clash of their horns can sometimes be heard a mile away. But if the tiger somehow managed to break one of their horns, that could be fatal for the ram. Plus, tigers are just excellent fighters. They're quick-witted and quick-footed. As Pitsko described them, tigers have the advantage of both offensive and defensive skills. But would a tiger even want to go after a ram? Unfortunately for the ram, probably so. Bengal tigers' main source of food is an elk-like deer called the sambar deer. But really, they're down to eat just about any animal. So yeah, bad news for the rams. I think the Bengal tigers are going to win this one. But fortunately for the football teams this weekend, they are much more evenly matched, or at the very least, used to playing in the same environment of a football stadium. This morning, NASA released the first images of a star from the James Webb Space Telescope. Now, it's exciting because of what it means, but the main image kinda just looks like a bunch of blurry white dots. But considering they originally said they wouldn't be releasing anything for a few months, it's still pretty exciting to get this preliminary image. Quoting NASA, The team's challenge was twofold. Confirm that the near-infrared camera instrument, or NIRCAM, was ready to collect light from celestial objects, and then identify starlight from the same star in each of the 18 primary mirror segments. The result is an image mosaic of 18 randomly organized dots of starlight, the product of Webb's unaligned mirror segments all reflecting light from the same star back at Webb's secondary mirror and into NIRCAM's detectors. Over the next month or so, the team will gradually adjust the mirror segments until the 18 images become a single star. NIRCAM is the observatory's wavefront sensor and a key imager. It was intentionally selected to be used for Webb's initial alignment steps because it has a wide field of view and the unique capability to safely operate at higher temperatures than the other instruments. It's also packed with customized components that were designed to specifically aid in the process. NIRCAM will be used throughout nearly the entire alignment of the telescope's mirrors. It is, however, important to note that NIRCAM is operating far above its ideal temperature while capturing these initial engineering images, and visual artifacts can be seen in the mosaic. The impact of these artifacts will lessen significantly as Webb draws closer to its ideal cryogenic operating temperatures. End quote. A bit more exciting to look at, at least, is a JWST selfie that NASA posted of that primary mirror captured by the NIRCAM with one segment illuminated by a star, the only one so far that's been aligned and calibrated. NASA is now continuing to work on aligning all 18 segments, and they expect the first scientifically useful images to come this summer. But these images today prove that the telescope is functioning as it undergoes the calibration process, and you can check out the photos yourself at the the links in the show notes.
Wordle officially migrated over to the New York Times yesterday, Thursday the 10th, with some users complaining of losing their streaks when it did. The original URL just now redirects to its new home at the New York Times, so honestly, I didn't even notice until I read the headlines. I also clear my cookies pretty often and use multiple Chrome profiles, so I never used the streak feature. I keep track of my Wordle streaks and averages in a private custom Notion database that I built myself, like a normal person. Anyways, when Wordle moved to the New York Times, it apparently had a number of words purged from its list. Now, the list, you may remember, was originally created by a list of five-letter words in the American English language that creator Josh Wardle found and had his more language-oriented girlfriend go through to take out any that she didn't know or thought would be too obscure. The Times, being a multi-million dollar company with certain ethics to uphold, combed through the list and elected to remove additional words like lynch and slave, which makes a ton of sense, good for those to be gone, but they also removed words like agora and pupil, which I guess I must be missing something on because those sound pretty normal to me. They also removed a number of inappropriate and racist words from the acceptable guess list, so you can't be guessing super inappropriate words. But speaking of institutions deeming certain words inappropriate, Dr. Kate Puinoff-Kitbriner of the Comanche Language Planning Group created a Comanche version of Wordle to help people learn and practice Comanche words. It is super cool and comes in four and five letter options. Of course, having any knowledge of Comanche would be helpful here. But the website, TalkingComanche.org, does have several lessons to get you started on learning, which is more so for tribal members than the general public. And that's kind of the whole point of the Comanche Language Planning Group. Comanche is a critically endangered language. According to Dr. Briner, it's spoken by less than 10 people, which makes it particularly frustrating that every time Dr. Briner has tried posting about this game on Facebook, her posts have been flagged for soliciting sexual activity. The core of the issue seems to be that Dr. Briner included a sentence written in Comanche that Facebook apparently interpreted as something sexual, since I assume Facebook can't actually read Comanche, and it therefore might think that the letters that it can't parse are an attempt to hide English messages within mismatched letters to discreetly solicit sexual activity. But Facebook being unable to read Comanche is kind of part of the problem. Language reclamation is an uphill battle, and when a primary communication service censors endangered languages because those services can't translate them, it makes it that much more difficult for the languages to survive. Dr. Briner has now been restricted from posting on Facebook for three days, which she says is particularly troubling because Facebook is a primary way that the organization shares resources with tribal members around the world. Hopefully a real human at Facebook will take a look at this and not only sort it out for this instance, but figure out a deeper fix going forward. But until then, the main Facebook page for the organization is still up and the game is accessible on the website, link in the show notes. So not a great look for Facebook, but a very cool Wordle adaptation made by the Comanche Language Planning Group. Well, the public face and principal salesperson for a hacking and piracy group that's best known for Nintendo Switch mods that allow the consoles to play pirated games has officially been sentenced to 40 months in prison. The man's name? Gary Bowser. 
Yes, Bowser. Sometimes a name really does determine your destiny. Unfortunately for Gary Bowser, there was already another Bowser in town. Doug Bowser, who is the president of Nintendo of America and apparently doesn't think Nintendo is big enough for the both of them. Because really, three years and also paying four and a half million dollars to Nintendo? I don't know. Doesn't quite sit right with me. But in other news, KUOW, the NPR affiliate station in Puget Sound, Washington has gotten a surge of new captive listeners recently. Owners of 2014 to 2017 Mazdas say that their cars will only play KUOW on station 94.9. For most of them, it seems like their infotainment systems won't stop cycling through options, leaving them with just one station, no ability to change it. All they can do is change the volume. Mazda says it has to do with the radio station sending an album art image file without an extension, which caused a glitch on these cars with older software. KUOW didn't corroborate that, but did say that they're in touch with a company who owns the technology behind HD radio and are working to resolve the issue. Mazda says that the only fix is a new component for the cars, which costs about $1,500. Fortunately, they say customers can apply for a goodwill replacement, which would make it free, but with so many people needing it at the same time, shipping delays exacerbated by the supply chain crisis are likely. But that is it from me for this week. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone.